I entitled today's message, Jesus Wins. I guess I could say that every Sunday, but I've been hearing it all week, so I thought I'd tag it on here. Whether it fits or not, I thought it goes. Jesus wins. We know that he is our great Lord and Savior, and we're so grateful for him. We're going to look at Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. It says, the Lord, your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. This is a powerful verse in regards to Israel and his celebration over Zion and Jerusalem. But we know this is our God, and this is who he is. This is his nature. This is who he is as our mighty God. The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one, will save. The mighty one. The Lord God. The Lord God Almighty. Correct? In the New American Standard, it says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love, and he will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. Jesus literally is a mighty warrior, worshiping king, okay? So he is full of joy. He is full of worship and praise to God Almighty. He is an eminent of praise and Almighty. He is so glorious and good. It's in his nature. He is the Lord of the dance, okay? We know through Scripture that even King David, he said, he danced with all his might with victory to praise God. Well, he is just reflecting the heart of Jesus. And this message, the Lord, the Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one, the one who wins, the victorious warrior, that's where he wants to strengthen every believer today. In your relationship with the Lord, with the church overall, he is the one in our midst rejoicing over us. So 24-7, this God is rejoicing over you. 24-7, Jesus Christ is the mighty one, the victorious warrior who is rejoicing over you, who is there as you're going through the fire, is there when you go through trials and testings and life and bumps in the road and troubles and even sin and deliverances that we go through. He is still the victorious warrior. He wins, okay? Changing the way we think. He's not defeated. He's not weak. He was made to be weak on the cross, but it was the greatest strength of the kingdom of heaven that's ever been portrayed. And his weakness on the cross was the greatest victory that has ever been won. By his stripes we are healed. Because we can let's go over to Isaiah 53. And the victorious warrior is not just with you when you come to church on Sunday mornings or class on Wednesday nights or maybe when you're praising him in your car. But this is a 24-7 relationship, okay? He is still a victorious warrior with you all the time. Isaiah 53 Verse 4, this is the goodness of Jesus. This is what he has done. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement or punishment for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed all we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned every one from our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
This points to the cross. This points to what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. He's the one that literally God chose to put all of our sin for all of humanity upon Jesus Christ, the perfect Lamb of God, the Son of God, God in the flesh, to bear all of the iniquity, the weakness, every curse and every assignment in, with, and through the devil upon mankind, upon Jesus Christ, the innocent Lamb bore it all all the wrath of God on that cross to give us resurrection life, to give us eternal life, to give us wholeness, prosperity, peace, shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken, healing, provision, deliverance. There's more to it. Each act that happened to him provided a great salvation. So here, even in the middle, we see Jesus in your midst on the cross. He is the mighty one who saved You hear it? He is a victorious warrior. And that's what love looks like. Amen? That's what love looks like. That's the Father's heart to redeem us back so we can be in the family of God. Now go to John 15. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, I'm real big on giving God praise and thanksgiving. Every day you should thank God for your great salvation, for your family, for your blessings, but of who he is. Thank him every day. Even while you're going through, thank him every day. It should be our lifestyle. John 15, we're going to look at verse 1. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. It was one of my favorite passages. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he will prune, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. So abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you would bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As a father has loved me, I also have loved you, so abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments, and I abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be made full. These things I have spoken to you that my joy would remain in you and your joy may be made full. He just lays out the lifestyle of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, to be a follower of Jesus. He is the word made manifest. He is the word. We have our Bibles in front of us. God-inspired words from Holy Spirit, the living Word of God, and yet Jesus Christ is the Word that made 
evident in the flesh. And he says, now abide in God's word. Abide in me. Abide in my truth, my way. Abide in me. Have fellowship with me. Love me. Let me love you. We are in the love of God. Receive the love of God. You belong to me. I belong to you. I'm a victorious, mighty one. I will save. I rejoice over you with gladness. I'll quiet you in my love. I'm rejoicing over you with singing. Jesus is not dead and he's not boring. All right? And so he is very much alive and full of joy and the Holy Spirit. The fullness of the Holy Spirit rested upon Jesus. And the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in Holy Spirit. So we hear basic principles here of abiding in him and that he's rejoicing over us. And he wants our joy to be made full. Now go to Psalm 24. Psalm 24. Look at verse 8. Well, let's start on verse 7. Psalm 24, verse 7, he says, Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. Now, this is one of our favorite passages about King Jesus, right? And we know that he's the King of all the nations. He's King of heaven. And uh, the Lord has crowned him. And so here he's referred to the King of glory. And you have to see this, strong and mighty. Strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Jesus wins, okay? He is not defeated. Go to Isaiah 9. Isaiah 9. Isaiah 9, verse 6. This is a governmental scripture concerning Jesus. It says, Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. And upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, and the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. The Lord, the Lord God, mighty to save, the one that's zealous over us, rejoices over us with joy and dance and victory. And he's got one thing in mind, and it's you, and it's me. He wants us forever. He loves us. Our Father is good, and he loves us. He's always near. And his kingdom is one of such power and dominion. And his name, wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There is no decrease, only increase in his kingdom. Jesus cannot lose. People lose. (laughs) Okay, Jesus never loses. You hear that? 
His government is only one of increase, multiplication, and total dominion. And that kingdom is within us because Jesus said, hey, don't say look here or there. The kingdom of heaven is within you. Right? The kingdom of heaven is within you. This governmental move is inside of you through the Holy Spirit who is working all things to good for the glory of God Almighty. Now go over to Colossians 2. Colossians 2, we're going to read, let's start on verse 6, Colossians 2, verse 6. It says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. That's an easy one to remember, good one to memorize. As you walk, as you have received Christ, walk in him, walk in him. Walk in him, walk in him, walk with him. Let him lead you, let him guide you. The mighty one who saves is inside of you. If you've received Christ Jesus, so walk in him, right? In him, with him, through him. That's the kingdom, yes? He continues, rooted and be built up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware, lest anyone should cheat you through philosophy and empty deceits, according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of this world, and not according to Christ. Verse 9, for in him dwells all of the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. These are powerful, life-altering, changing verses of the king of glory. For in him dwells the fullness of God almighty, of the Holy Spirit, of the kingdom of heaven. And it says, and you're complete in him. Already, you're complete in him. Who is the head. He's the head. He's the head. He's the king over all principality and rule, all spiritual dominions. Verse 11. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. You were buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made you alive together with him having forgiven all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way and nailed it to the cross. He disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them and triumphed over them in it. Jesus Christ, by being obedient to the Father, went to the cross to totally fulfill everything that was written of the law and the prophets and the Psalms concerning him, fulfilled all things righteously, never sinned, was submissive to the pure word of God, submitted to the spirit of truth his entire journey, followed him, only did what he heard the father say or saw him do, walked with him in holiness and in the fear of the Lord, 
And yet he went forward joyfully, already rejoicing over us on that cross. That mighty one saved us even in the depths of his suffering. The mighty one who saved, who spins around and rejoices over us. All of heaven, though the Lamb of God was slain, heaven was rejoicing. Jesus said, let me teach you my ways. (laughs) It doesn't look like it should be that way. (laughs) But God said, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to come in the form of my son. I'm going to die for you so I can save you. And then he gives us his righteousness, and he tells us all these beautiful promises that I'm in him and he's in me. Then he gives us his authority. He gives us his word. He gives us his commission to go into all the world and save those who are lost. He charges us to go heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse lepers. He charges us to go and bring righteousness, to rule with the scepter of righteousness in the land. He charges us to go make the wrong way right. He gives us faith to stand and stand therefore. This is an amazing transformation. Go to Hebrews 7. Say, Jesus wins. (laughs) No matter what comes out of you. Now listen to what comes out of your spirit. Because for two weeks, all I've been hearing is, Jesus wins. Ah, yes. Hebrews 7. We're going to start on verse uh, 24. This is a real meaty chapter. (laughs) that describes Jesus Christ, our king and our great high priest. Now that he has done everything that's necessary to govern and rule over us as the one that made us right with God through his blood. Amen? And it speaks of his government, of his kingdom rule as king and high priest forever. So we're going to start on verse um, 24. It says, but he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily, as though high priest, to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's, for this he did once and for all when he offered up himself on the cross. Wow. For the law appoints as high priest men who have weaknesses, But the word of the oath, which came after the law, appoints the Son, Jesus Christ, who has been perfected forever. He's of the order of Melchizedek. He's a king and priest forever. And right now, he's still the great high priest who intercedes for us day and night, night and day. He ever lives to make intercession for us. The Holy Spirit intercedes with us and through us, and for us. We are not left alone on the planet. We are in his swirl. We are in his movement. We are in his joy. We're in his kingdom. We're in his open heaven. We're in his grace. We're in his ways. We're in his blood. 
because he is perfect and holy and true. And so the verse I love to pray constantly is he saves to the uttermost. That spirit, soul, and body redeems us, sanctifies us, justifies us, glorifies us, and gets us prepared and ready for the eternal kingdom. Let's jump to the end. Just a little sneak peek. Revelation 19. Revelation 19. Verse 11. This is in regards to the second coming of Christ. He says, and now I saw, Revelation 19, 11, and now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. <laughs> and in righteousness, now he comes, he judges and he makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself, and he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. And now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that will, with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. Okay, so it's like these are amazing truths of the Godhead, of Jesus Christ. But how do you apply these things daily? Okay, jump back to Revelation 1. How do you apply these truths daily versus just when I get to heaven, then I'll know him this way. He says, this is the Holy One in your midst. This is the Holy One in your life. This is the Holy One watching over you while you sleep or while you're deployed. This is the Holy One while you're working, while you're playing outside and on a river. This is the Holy One smack dab in the middle of your life who knows absolutely everything about us, especially those things that we try to hide, and loves us, rejoices over us, dances over us because Jesus wins to bring the victory to you through his victory, through his body that was broken, through his ascension and his coming again. This is the king. Amen? It's like, that's awesome, but I need to apply it daily. I think he even said, give me this day my daily bread. Well, that's not just Taco Bell, okay? I'm just saying, we're, this is your daily bread. This is our sustenance. <laughs> this is it. Revelation 1, verse 4. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over all of the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood." And then makes us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And behold, he is coming with clouds. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. 
In red now, Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. You could hear it. The word interprets itself. You understand this strong, mighty one. This mighty one, daily working in us, spirit, soul, and body, on our path, on our journeys. He knows exactly where we are. He knows our tomorrow. He knows our future. He already sees us in glory with him. He already sees the millennial rewards where he has us placed and an eternal rule. Isn't that amazing? This is the one that we're talking about. Well, God wants us to receive this mighty one into our daily lives. He's bringing in to daily stuff of weakness, trials, tribulations, testings, you know, just life, painful times in the spirit, relationships, finances, name it. Just say life. It's not all roses, okay? (laughs) Right? In this life, you will have tribulation, he said, but be of good cheer. I've overcome it. Why would he tell us that? Why would he tell us that if we're not looking to the overcomer in us? No matter what we're going through, we have to apply this every day. Now go back to Isaiah chapter 43. He encourages us today. Isaiah 43. Very common passage, especially if you've gone through it. (laughs) Isaiah 43, verse 2. He says, so when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. But somehow in here, it looks like we're going through waters, rivers, fire, right? Going through life, right? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And sometimes in the scriptures, we know he really does show up in the fire. You read that from the scriptures in Daniel. He can be in the literal presence of your Calamity or trouble. He can show up physically by the Spirit. Angels sent from heaven. He's done all kinds of marvelous, miraculous things. But the key here is we have to have an absolute surrender to the will of God. That's at John 15, where he wants all of us, us, our family, our lives, everything that pertains to us, because everything that pertains to life and godliness, he has given us, correct? The key is absolute surrender to the will of God. That's it. You're always safe in the will of God. Say, I'm safe in the will of God. (laughs) Death to self, death to sin, and all of its iniquitous roots that have affected our lives, right? Because God is working that salvation in us to pull up and out of us those things that hinder his presence and his kingdom and his glory in our lives. We have to let Jesus win. Okay, you got to let him win. He's like, well, of course I want him to win. But we wrestle over when he puts a finger on something. We wrestle with him when we have to trust him or pray in faith or intercede for maybe more than 30 minutes. You wrestle with him over your flesh. You wrestle with him over what you want to do and what he says. 
You understand the battle, spirit, soul, and body, correct? But the key is let Jesus win no matter what it costs you. Let him be the victorious, mighty warrior no matter what it costs you. Have faith in God. That's what Jesus said. That's the simplicity of the gospel. So shall we. Now, I'm going to read a part of a testimony. Uh, I'll actually be teaching this more depth this Wednesday at K3. This is a story from Reese Howell's uh, book called Intercessor. And it's a story of a man of God who was called as a missionary, called out to the nation's Uh, called out and started a Bible school, university study. But basically, he was just a forerunner of saving nations and had a strong anointing and ability to move with the Spirit in prayer and intercession, gave his life to it. And, uh, And so I am going to actually read to you. It's easier for me to read this. No snoozing. It's not that long. But I want you to hear this. The subtitle in this little chapter is the Battle of Britain. This was in World War II, okay? This is in World War II. And so I'm going to read, listen. The next battle of intercession was over the air raids and the crisis of the Battle of Britain when Hermann Goering made his great attempt to gain mastery of the air and preparation for an invasion of England. In each of these vital matters, nothing was left to chance or a shot-in-the-dark type of praying. Everything was examined in God's presence and motives were sifted until the Holy Spirit could show his servant intelligently that there was an undeniable claim for prayer to be answered. Then faith would stand to the claim and lay hold of the victory. There would be no rest until he had God's own assurance that faith had prevailed and victory was certain. It was not just praying and hoping for an answer. We quote from notes taken in their, his meetings at that time. I'm not going to read all the dates, but you get the idea. September 2nd, 1940, okay? I want to see if we have a claim to be free from care when these planes are around. We ran to stand in the breach to save the Jewish children from Hitler when he was throwing them out. Can we now claim protection for all the missionaries' children? Unless my faith is equal to the occasion for protection, I should bring every one of the children up to the shelter tonight, and I would be there with them. Must we have fear because others have fear? If I trusted God to bring these properties into being, am I going to trust God to protect them? I want you to get a foundation for this trust. We need a real foundation for our faith in case the raids will last for months. Can we trust him for the impossible in this, the same as in finance? The only thing I'm afraid of is that I should miss God's will. Many people are afraid of consequences. I must be clear on this point, for God says, if it is the consequences you're afraid of, don't come to me for protection. 
There is a great difference between a selfish fear of consequences and wanting God's protection because you have a work to carry out for him. Have you really got victory? Mr. Howell's mention of the shelter to which he said he could take the children referred to his obligation to provide a shelter for the day scholars, the students, then numbering about 300 But for the other scholars and the missionaries' children, numbering about 60, who are all part of the college family, the Lord had told him to provide neither shelters nor gas masks, although any individual was perfectly free to get one if they wished. God fully vindicated his stand throughout the war by not allowing a single bomb to fall on any of the college's property. Although the town, with its strategic dots, had some very heavy raids, he continues, because we have believed God has made known to us what is to come to pass. The situation in the country may come very serious because of the air raids. We've never walked this way before. The important thing is to find out where is God in this? When you're in danger every night, it takes you a long time to be sure that you are under God's protection. Can you say you are safe in the air raids? Has God told you? You may try to use the word of God without having his power behind it. If God is going to deliver him from this hell, there will have to be some power released. Unless you are sure of your own victory, you will never be able to pray for the deliverance of the country. We have bound the devil over and over again, and I hope we shall do it again when God's time comes and ends in this war. How many people have been moved by the affliction of these air raids? If you can believe that you have been delivered from hell, why can't you believe that you've been delivered from air raids? I have always found something that has given me joy all day long, and my joy today is that we have God's protection. But unless we are really trusting him, where does the praise come in? This peace the Savior gives is not an artificial one. It is so deep that even the devil can't disturb it. You can't hear things in the spirit while you have any turmoil or fear inside of you. I'll read it again. You cannot hear things in the spirit while you have any turmoil or fear in you. You can't take a shade of fear into the presence of God. Wow. He continues. It was at this point that the burden of prayer for protection and the questionings of the past few days changed into praise and certainty. Full assurance of victory was given. And it rings out in Reese Howell's words, What victory! Those who are in the spirit see it as victory because he has found believing in us. What joy. What praise. God would probably not give faith for victory in the war until personal victory was first gained. The all clear sounded in the service finished, and they sang in clothing, in closing, death is vanquished. Tell it with joy, ye faithful. I could now put it in print that no devil can touch anyone here. There is no need to pray anymore. When you believe, you finish with prayer. We have never been in such victory before, carrying on exactly as if there were no war. How could we get victory for the world unless we first believed it for ourselves? 
You can't trust in anything except believing prayer. How the Holy Spirit came down this morning in communion service and told us of his victory. Those who have an ear to hear, let them hear. His victory, the mighty one, the one who saves, who rejoices over us with singing and praise. The mighty God, if not by the grace of God, right? We're here still, and we're here to finish a work. We are here to fulfill the God Almighty's, his will for our lives, our families, and our children, and all that he set our hands to do. We are here to save, heal, and deliver. And no matter what happens in this world, right? Jesus Christ right there in the middle, though you walk through it, he is there singing over us, shifting the way we're thinking to a mighty victorious warrior. Amen? Amen. Okay, so let's stand and let's praise him. Praise him. And I pray for all that the desire to pray and fast and seek his face and rejoice and just abide daily will be a lifestyle of acknowledging not just when things are bad, <laughs> but because he is. So Father, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you. We thank you for your truth and your faithfulness. Oh, by the grace of God, we are where we are. Use us according to your word and your will, Father. Thank you for personal victories. Thank you for the personal victories. Thank you for being with us through every battle. Thank you for the personal victories over sin, hell, and the grave. Thank you for helping us overcome the flesh, helping us to believe and have faith in God that surely nothing else matters but you. And we thank you that we're smack dab in the center of your will, Father. We rejoice over you. And as you dance over us, Lord, we join the dance. We join the dance. In Jesus' name, amen. This message was brought to you by the Garden Gathering Church, a family of spirit-filled believers in San Angelo, Texas. We long to encounter God's presence and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. If you'd like to find out more, go to www.thegardenstc.org to realize how the revelation of Jesus Christ can fulfill your mandate in the kingdom of heaven.